millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Today we are joined by Richard Dale, a historian who has conducted detailed research on one of the most notorious episodes in the early history of the English Reformation, uh, when, 500 years ago this December, the body of Richard Hun, a city of London merchant, was found hanged in the Lollard's Tower of Old St Paul's. Now Richard, who was Richard Hun and, and why is his case such an important one? Richard Hamm was a respected citizen. He was a liveryman of the uh, Merchant Tailors Company. He was a man of some substance, and he had quite important trading connections. So he, he was a respected citizen of London. Uh, the case was important because it was the build-up to the Reformation. There was a lot of anti-clerical feeling in London. There were some important issues about ties, about the power of the church, which was, after all, a state within a state. It had its own legislature convocation. It had its own law, canon law. It had its own taxes, tithes, uh, and its own uh, courts. And there was a build-up of resentment. And the, when Hun was found hanging in the Bishop of London's prison, the general supposition amongst the London citizenry was that he had been done away with by the church because he'd been causing them trouble and taking them on in the courts. And this fermented further trouble, encouraged anti-clerical feelings, and it also raised a whole lot of issues which were then debated about the role of the church and the role of the church courts and the immunity of the clergy to prosecution in the royal courts. So there were some very big issues which were came up again, of course, during the Reformation and were resolved at that time. So this was a sort of precursor to the Reformation, but raised a lot of the same issues. And the fact that he died in the custody of the Bishop of London, um, uh, Richard Fitzjames, this is absolutely crucial to the whole um, episode, isn't it? That's right, because the, uh, there was a confession by the Bishop of uh, London's summoner, uh, Joseph, and uh, he implicated the deputy of the Bishop of London, William Horsey, who was his Chancellor, and there's no way the Chancellor would have acted without the say-so of the bishop. So the implication was colossal. The implication was that the Bishop of London, no less, had been instrumental in ordering the uh, murder of uh, a London citizen, much respected London citizen. So there was outrage. The very beginning of this case, the, the reason that, that, that Hun was involved in this, um, went back to um, an issue about the christening of his son Stephen. That's right. When his five-week-old son died, he took uh, his body for burial and a burial service in Whitechapel. And the parson, as was the custom, demanded the most valuable possession of the deceased, 
Taliban, which was a particularly fine one, worth six shillings and eightpence, which was quite a fair amount of money in those days. Uh, but Han refused to hand over the gown, and the matter went to an ecclesiastical court, and uh, which held against Han, and he was required either to hand over the gown or to pay up the money. Uh, but he continued to resist, and then uh, there was an incident in, in, in church where he was uh, effectively thrown out of the church by the parson, having identified him as this obdurate man, and uh, Hun took the parson to court for damaging his reputation. Uh, so there was a sort of legal background, and then after that, Hun had the audacity to issue a writ of primunire, a very serious uh, writ indeed, which if uh, proved against those named in the writ, would result in confiscation of their assets and some other very serious consequences. So he was taking on the church in the royal courts and resisting the determinations of the ecclesiastical courts and causing a lot of problems. And, of course, he had presumably quite a lot of sympathy uh, from uh, his fellow tradesmen and Londoners. And after his death, this mysterious death, this hanging, um, his body was then put on trial wasn't it, uh, during which the prize exhibit was, as, as, as one would expect, this Wycliffe Bible there, which, which with, its, um, with its Lollard connections. That's right. I mean, there was a precedent because uh, John Wycliffe, who uh, was, in a sense, the precursor of the Lollards, he, his body was dug up and tried and then burned. So the, the church did that to Wycliffe. Um, so it was not a completely unprecedented thing to have a post-mortem trial uh, but that's exactly what happened. It was held in the uh, Lady Chapel of the great uh, St. Paul's Cathedral with witnesses called and so on, uh, all the procedures of a formal trial with the body probably laid out before them. Um, and that was a rather macabre episode. But, of course, the Bishop of London, Richard Fitzjames, was particularly anxious to get this matter settled because it caused such trouble amongst the populace. He wanted to show and demonstrate for all to see that Hun was indeed a heretic and deserved to die. And so they held this trial. The Wycliffe Bible, allegedly belonging to Hun, was displayed, and uh, he was convicted, and then, of course, his body was taken to Smithfield and burned. If we want to get some sense of uh, the gravity of this case, um, Thomas Wolsey, who's then the Archbishop of York, becomes involved... Even the young Henry VIII becomes involved. Why is that? That is because the coroner's jury, coroner's, coroner's jury was um, appointed. The, the, the mayor of London was very quick to appoint uh, a cor the coroner's jury. And uh, that found against the Bishop of London's um, chancellor, Dr. Horsey, uh, in, in fact, it found that the Bishop of London Summoner, St. Joseph, Halsey, and a third man were jointly responsible for murdering Hun, and that Hun had not committed suicide, as the Church was alleging. So this put the Church in a very difficult position. And it was then that the Bishop of London wrote to Wolsey pleading for his intervention. And uh, Wolsey did indeed intervene, and there were a series of conferences eventually involving Henry VIII himself, at which uh, the issue of Hun uh, and the whole surrounding question of 
clerical privilege in the church courts was uh, discussed at length. So uh, there were some very serious deliberations uh, following on from that uh, uh, decision of the coroner's jury. And so we come ultimately to the, to the, to the crux of the matter um, and the question that you have sought to answer uh, very convincingly, I think, is, is who killed Hun? I started from the premise that it was rather unlikely that the church would have clumsily uh, ordered the murder of Hun. That is not the mindset of the time. People went by the book. They went by the rules, the form, the procedures. They needed authority for their actions, and the church upheld that kind of regime. And the idea that the Bishop of London's deputy would, in a blundering sort of way, organize or try to organize the murder of Hun and then claim that it was suicide struck me as being extremely unlikely. But equally unlikely was the possibility that Hun had committed suicide. The coroner's report produced some very detailed and somewhat macabre evidence relating to this. And it becomes uh, pretty obvious that Hun could not have committed suicide. I won't go into the uh, ghoulish details, but that's in the article. But um, if you rule out suicide and you rule out murder, you're left with a bit of a problem. Uh, and it was then that I started looking at the canon law of torture and found that the, in, in very great detail, the circumstances of Hans' death and the surrounding events fitted into the very specific requirements laid down by canon law in relation to torturing heretics. And uh, it, it, so I found that the jigsaw seemed to fit pretty well, uh, uh, in fact, to an extraordinary degree. So that's the, the line I pursued, and I, I read quite a lot about the canon law of to torture and the various papal decrees on the subject and the interpretations that have been put upon it by jurists, and uh, came up with this explanation for his death, that it was, in fact, a bungled torture in which he, they had, uh, in a very macabre way, put a wire up his nose, heated wire, hot wire, needle, and this had resulted in a uh, catastrophic posterior nasal hemorrhage, and he had effectively bled to death. And what place do you think this episode um, uh, takes in terms of the English Reformation. Who? I mean, we are talking at a point where uh, England is still a Catholic country here, of course. Uh, it's pre-Reformation, but it's very much part of that Reformation history. And what role do you think it played within that process? Well, to some extent, it reflected the pressures that were building up pre-Reformation, the issue of tithes, the issue of church courts, the uh, ancient privileges of the church were beginning to be challenged, and also some of the theology and the desire of people to read the Bible in, in their own vernacular, and uh, the, the questioning the uh, dominant role of the priesthood. There were, all these things were reflected in the animosity of the populace when, when, when Hun's body was uh, found hanging. But it also stoked the thing further, obviously, because people... Uh, generally believed that the church had, uh, was, were responsible, the church authorities were responsible for Hunt's death, and so it stoked further these feelings of animosity. So in that sense, it was important, but it was also important because of the conferences that were held 
And the issues that were discussed um, by none other than uh, Henry VIII at, uh, in the final conference at Barnard Castle, uh, relating to church versus state. So the church was insistent in, in protecting its ancient privileges as it saw them, that Henry was warning the church that uh, they shouldn't uh, push things too far and that the clergy were, would remain responsible uh, before the royal courts. Uh, so that very key issue was debated and no final resolution was achieved. There was a standoff. But then the Reformation um, obviously resolved these matters in, in, in favor of uh, the crown, and the whole church versus state issue came to a head. So it was uh, an important precursor to the Reformation. It was a kind of a dry run, but it, the issues raised uh, remained unresolved. Well, thank you, Richard. It's a, it's a tremendous piece of um, historical detective work, I think. And as I say, it's one that... Uh, that I, for one, am convinced, and uh, we're very, we're very proud to publish it um, at History Today, and it's the cover story for the December edition of History Today. So, thank you very much, Richard. Thank, thank you. you.